Good morning, and welcome to the Tuesday morning men's Bible study at Park City's Presbyterian Church. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad that you could join us this morning online for what will be the last of our study through Hebrews chapter 11. If you've been with us over this last several months, you know that we have studied Hebrews 11 in detail, each week taking each of the figures of the Old Testament that the author of Hebrews uses in the so-called Hall of Faith. It's been an incredible study, and if you've missed any of the weeks, I want to encourage you to go to our webpage and download any of the weeks you've missed. I know that they've been an encouragement to me as well as to the other pastors, and it's my hope and prayer that they really will be an encouragement to you. Just a couple of announcements before we uh, look at the end of Hebrews 11 together. The first is this. If you go to pcpc.org, and you've not done so already, I want to invite you to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. It goes out online uh, through email every Thursday. It's called the E This Week. As things change over the summer, and Lord willing, we'll be able to meet together again as a church, it's a great way for you to stay up to date on all the ways that we are hoping to connect as a body at Park City's Presbyterian Church. So again, pcpc.org, go to the home page, click on E This Week, and subscribe today. The other thing I want to encourage you to do, again at pcpc.org, is to click on the COVID-19 response page. There you'll find out about the ways that we as a church are responding to the needs of our city. There's a couple ways we're doing that primarily right now, and we'd love to invite you to join us uh, by giving. Uh, the first is by partnering with our first responders here in Dallas, writing notes of encouragement as well as providing meals for their families. And the second is to provide food for families in need in our city. Through our ministry partners all over the city, uh, we're raising money to provide boxed food, non-perishable goods that can go to their families that can uh, really meet some really tangible needs right now, especially those who are making a uh, really hard time making ends meet. So again, go to our COVID-19 response page there on our homepage and find the way that you can partner with us as we're the hands and feet of Christ in our city. The last thing I want to mention is to put this on your radar. I know it's hard to imagine, but the fall will come, and Lord willing, this will be the last virtual Bible study that we will ever have. Our prayer is that we can meet again together on Tuesday morning, 7 a.m., when September rolls around again. We'll begin uh, registration for the Tuesday morning men's Bible study in the fall in August. So check your inboxes in August or check our website Lord willing, we'll start registration up again in August so that we can meet together in the middle of September as we kick out a fall semester series in fall 2020. All right. If you've been with us, you know that what's most important is not just me speaking to you, but you following along with the handout through the discussion questions, not only by yourself, but hopefully even with your table groups through Zoom, through FaceTime or Google Hangouts. So, Click on the link there on this page where you'll find the discussion questions, the handout we're looking at, Hebrews 11, beginning with verse 39. Author of Hebrews writes, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely, 
Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Please join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would be with us now. Open the eyes of our hearts that we might see your Son, Jesus, fully. Lord, grant us the gift of faith so that we could walk through these days ever hopeful and ever joyful that you are indeed working in us, that you are testing our faith, making it more lasting and genuine, that this would be a time when you purify us, that you prune us, and you draw us ever closer to yourself. So this morning, use your word, break through the hardest place of our hearts, and fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author, the founder, and perfecter of our faith. Lord, draw us near to your Son, to your Spirit. We pray this morning by his strong name. Amen. All right. Well, I don't know about you. I went to public school. I know some of you went to private school. And this morning, I don't want to get in debate over which is better, public or private. But I know all of us, as kids, had to take tests. Some of you, as you think about even taking tests, even right now as a man, you're looking back and it's suddenly you're feeling pretty anxious. Because you know what it was like as a kid on test day. That even if you've studied all night and you knew everything backwards and forwards, just the mere fact that you were about to be tested filled you with so much anxiety that you begin to lock up. That the gears inside your brain begin to kind of freeze and Suddenly, you couldn't remember anything. It's called test anxiety. It's real, and kids suffer from it every single day. Others of you were a bit more laid back. Maybe you're a bit like me. Tests did not worry you at all. In fact, there was something in you that had mastered the art of test taking. Not cheating, but a way of kind of faking it, that you knew just what to study for, how to kind of read your teacher's mind, that you could go into a test, not really mastered the material, but you knew how to take a test in such a way that you could pass a test, even do very well at a test, without having studied that much at all. That's the way I'm sorry to say it was for me, and I don't want to make that, uh, any of you mad at me or uh, frustrated with me the way that other students maybe were, but that's just the way I was able to get through all of high school. I knew how to take a test. I knew how to study in such a way that I could do well on a test, and then just several days later, I would forget everything. I didn't really master the material. I was able just to fake my way through and do well on a test. Maybe that describes some of you this morning. Well, there is such thing as being tested in such a way that you can't fake it. In many ways, that describes what we are all going through right now. We are being tested. And you cannot fake your way through this test. Now, if you're watching this from any place in Texas, especially in Dallas, you know what it means to be a Christian in a Christian culture. Faith is very much assumed for many of us who've grown up in the city of Dallas, Texas. It's something we've inherited something that we have just come naturally to us. The idea of faith is something that we grow up with and something we are assume and, and, until we're tested. 
to a time like this. And I believe that being tested is a good thing. That what we are going through now, as hard as it is, and though not the way that God originally intended in the garden, that God is using the fall, the brokenness of a fallen world, and the, the brokenness of a virus for good. To test us at the places we are most dependent and most vulnerable so that our faith might be stronger. The Apostle Paul, Peter put it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1. Before we get into Hebrews, I think Peter can help us really understand what it means to be tested. 1 Peter was written in a very similar context as the letter to the Hebrews. Peter was writing it to a church that felt very tested. They felt attacked in the same way that the author of Hebrews is writing to a people who felt persecuted. They felt attacked. This is what Peter has to say. 1 Peter 1, verse 6. He says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have grieved by various trials. Perhaps you feel like you're going through a trial right now. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you feel like you're going through a trial right now? Perhaps it's a trial of health. Those of you who've had the virus, or you don't have the virus, but you're not able to get access to good medical care because of the virus, and you feel vulnerable. That as a man, you feel like you're going through a trial, a trial of health. And as men, we want to be strong. We want to feel strong. And when we feel unhealthy, we feel vulnerable. Maybe that describes you right now. Or as our economy begins to crumble, as you're watching the stock market tank, as you're looking at your accounts and wondering, is there any sure thing moving forward with your investments? Do you feel like you're going through a trial? As you're looking at your work, your occupation, I know many of you are on furlough now. Some of you have even lost your jobs. Or other of you are employers and you're wondering what is it that you need to do with your business and your businesses. Do you feel like you're going through a trial? Those of you who are in the oil industry, as things have never been so low, do you feel like you're going through a trial? Well, Peter has some encouragement for us, even as low as we feel. It's not, don't worry, be happy, but it's to press into the trial. That in the same way that metal is made more precious as it's refined by fire, perhaps God is using this season to test your faith, to make it stronger, as Peter says, to test the genuineness of our faith. And so it is with Hebrews chapter 11. As we look back on the hall of faith, we see that really each story, each story of these Old Testament figures is a story of faith being tested. That against all odds, they faced such uncertainty is in those moments that God showed up. That not only do we see their faith, but we see God's faithfulness. That in moments of great despair, of great hopelessness, that's when God shows up the most. That's when we see His faithfulness the most. And that's when we see 
the Holy Spirit begin to test our faith. They begin to make it strong. And my prayer for you as you look back on the semester, as you look back on Hebrews chapter 11 and you begin to envision all that's before us as a city, as a country, as the church of Christ, you begin to see that God is making our faith stronger for his glory and for our good in the midst of great trial. So three ways that I think we can look at the end of Hebrews 11 and look back on this entire chapter and see a faith that is tested. And the first way is this. A faith that is tested, I want you to see, is a faith that is rooted in history. I want you to look at Hebrews 11, verse 39. The author of Hebrews is looking back on all of these figures of the Old Testament, these figures that he's mentioned. He says all of these, these great heroes of the faith, he says, all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from, uh, from us, they should not be made perfect. Now, I mentioned this in a sermon I preached a few months ago on Hebrews 11, that Hebrews 11 uses an ancient literary device called an example list. It's a rhetorical tool that ancient authors used to challenge hearers to action. And that's exactly what the author of Hebrews is using in Hebrews 11. He's building up a list, uh, figure after figure after figure, to help stir us to action, to encourage us to move. And so each verse in Hebrews 11 almost is a different uh, figure, uh, beginning with the words, by faith. So as we've worked our way through this wonderful chapter, I just, again, want to give us a summary. By faith, Abel offered a sacrifice to God with a worshipful ear. By faith, Enoch was taken up to heaven before he died. By faith, Noah built an ark when God sent the flood. By faith, Abraham trusted God and offered up his only son. By faith, Sarah, his wife, gave birth, even though she was past the age. By faith, Eighth, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob blessed Joseph's sons. By faith, Joseph requested to be buried in the promised land. By faith, Moses led God's people out of slavery in Egypt. By faith, the people of God crossed the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, Rahab hid the Hebrew spies, by faith, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets conquered kingdoms and enforced justice and obtained the promises in the midst of great suffering, trial, and persecution. By faith, by faith, by faith. This is Hebrews 11. That's why it's known as the Hall of Faith. The author's point here at the end of Hebrews 11 is that all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. They were commended. They received the reward. God looked down at them because of their faith. Their faith, not the things that they did. As we look back on their stories and we are in awe, God did not look at them because of their works, but because of faith. People ask me all the time, how are people in the Old Testament saved? The same as us. By faith. By faith and God's promises not yet fulfilled in Jesus. But for us, we can look back on all the promises of God and see that they have been fulfilled in Jesus. This is what the author is saying in verse 39. He's saying they were commended through their faith, though they did not receive what was promised. 
They were looking forward to a Messiah that was to come. They never yet saw him with their own eyes. And yet it was through faith that they entered into the promises of God. By faith, by faith, by faith. Brothers, what I want you to see this morning as we stand in a long line of witnesses that have gone before us. Faithful men and women. The Christian faith is not some new and novel thing. Just with a passing season, the latest fad. The Christian faith has stood the test of time. We stand on those who've gone before us, these great heroes of the faith, and we look back on our history and we see that these stories are true. That everything they had hoped in, everything that they were promised has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. As those in the New Testament, as we look back, we know that Jesus Christ was born, the Messiah came, that he really did die, and that he really did rise again on the third day. And for us now, just as those in the Old Testament, as they were awaiting Messiah to come, we are now waiting for him to come again by faith. As we look back on all that has gone before us, as we see that our faith is rooted in history, it gives us hope for our future. To see the way that God for centuries has walked with his people in the midst of unspeakable odds, the way that he is constantly faithful to their promises gives us hope that he will be faithful again. So we look back with faith. We look back on our history and we see, verse 40, Since God has provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. What does he mean? That God has provided something for us that makes us just like these great heroes of the faith. I wonder, do any of you this morning think that you are just like Abraham, or Moses, or David, or Noah, or Enoch, or Abel? We look back on their stories and we revere them, and we think, these are such heroes, there's no way that we could be like them. But what the author of Hebrews is wanting to remind us is that they were men just like us. And because God sent his son, Jesus Christ, we share in something even greater than the heroes of the faith before us. We now share in the faith and the faithfulness of God's son, Jesus Christ, given for you, given for me. So my question for you this morning is this. As you look back on all of these stories, these people that, the author of Hebrews mentions by faith. I wonder, what would the author of Hebrews, if he were alive today, what would he write about your story? How would he write about by faith? How would he mention God's faithfulness in your life? That's the second thing I want us to see this morning. That a faith that is tested not only looks back on our history, but a faith that is tested is at work in the here and now. It's at work in our present life. I want you to look at Hebrews 12, verse 1. Author of Hebrews continues, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, in other words, looking back on all those people who have gone before us, this cloud of witnesses, we are surrounded, not only as we look back, but even now. There's been many more since the Old Testament. 
not only the New Testament, but the disciples and the Apostle Paul and the figures of the book of Acts. But even as we move through church history, so many witnesses who've gone before us and even now were surrounded. This is what it means to be the church. That together as a community, as brothers together, we encourage one another. That we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And the way that hopefully by God's grace and for His glory and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm encouraging you this morning. I want you to know that you encourage me. That together as the body of Christ, as brothers in Christ, we are encouraging one another as a cloud of witnesses. We are surrounded and so therefore, the author of Hebrews says, let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely. Let me ask you this morning, do you feel weighed down? Do you feel burdened? In the same way that Christian feels burdened in Pilgrim's Progress, do you feel this great weight on your shoulders? Maybe it's the weight of fear. Perhaps it's the weight of anxiety or worry. Maybe it's the weight of your responsibilities, the weight of your family. Do you feel weighed down? Do you feel burdened? The author of Hebrews is inviting you to lay that burden down. To recognize that we've been surrounded by this cloud of witnesses to be encouraged that God is faithful. If he's been faithful to them, if he's faithful to me, then he will be faithful to you. We serve a faithful God. And so, he says, let us lay aside our burdens, lay aside these weights that weigh us down. But maybe it's not just a fear and anxiety or responsibility that's weighing you down. He also says, let us lay aside the sin which clings so closely. Other translations say that it's a sin that entangles us. The Bible describes sin like a trap, like a snare. In the same way that we might be lured in, trapped by some thing that beckons us, some siren that calls after us. Sin calls after us. It, it lies to us. It says that it's good. And as we get close to it and even interact to it and, and, and even begin to sin along with it, that temptation, that sin, it ensnares us, it traps us. This is what idolatry does. It clings to us. Maybe you feel that this morning. A time like this, when you feel pressed, that's when our idols are so often exposed. That's when we begin to even discover idols that we didn't even know we had. I know for me, as ministry has become a lot more difficult than it used to be. I've realized that I need affirmation way more than I thought I did. Because I'm not actually getting it anymore. I preach a sermon now and I sit down and it's an empty sanctuary. Right now I'm in my office and I'm teaching a Bible study and I won't know how you're receiving it. And you know what? God is using that to reveal that I need affirmation more than I thought I did, that I have an idol, that really I need to root myself. I need to understand that the only affirmation I will ever need as a man it's my identity as the Son of God. That He loves me. He's delighted in me. I wonder what idols, what snares, what sin is God exposing in you during this time? The author of Hebrews says, Let us lay aside sin which clings so closely. Well, as you hear those things that the author is encouraging us to, 
to lay our burdens down, to lay aside the sin which clings so closely. As you hear those things, I think you probably are experiencing something that I do as well. It sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? That, after all, the Christian life, this side of heaven, is work. It's work because this side of heaven, we're broken, fallen men. And especially in a church like ours, as, as Presbyterians, good Reformed people, maybe you think of yourself that way, maybe you didn't even know that we're Reformed, or even you know what that means. But we like to, to say things like, we are saved through faith alone and not by works. And that is absolutely true. In fact, I would say if you hear nothing else this morning, you need to know that we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. We are saved through faith and not by works. That's the theme even of this entire semester, by faith. It is through faith we are saved. But faith always is at work. Genuine faith is at work in us. It, it bears fruit. It, it produces transformation. We feel this makes us weary in the same way that we would be running a race. That's the end of Hebrews 12, verse 1. He says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The Christian life, this side of heaven, it's a journey. And it's not just any kind of journey. It's a marathon. It is a race. The author of Hebrews is encouraging us to run with endurance. The only way we can do that is not to just pace ourselves, not to just make sure we have good tools in our tool belt or that we would be running the right way. But endurance comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from a Spirit-produced faith, a faith that is genuine, a faith that is tested. What does this look like? I think the Apostle Paul gives us an example in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation Put your salvation to work. It's a gift. You cannot earn your salvation through works. But the salvation you've already been given through faith, by the grace of God, put it to work, Paul says. How? He then says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God is at work in you, brothers, through faith, by the power and work of of his Holy Spirit. He is at work in you. And as he is testing your faith, it's becoming more genuine, more real, more authentic. In a time of trial, you're beginning to see that he has empowered you by the Holy Spirit through the death and resurrection of the Son to begin to lay aside weights, burdens, to begin to lay aside the sin that so easily entangles our hearts and souls to run this race with endurance, the endurance that we have been given through the Holy Spirit. And so the third and final thing this morning, the place that we will end. How does Hebrews 11 end for us? What does it mean to live as those who are part of this great story of faith? Well, the last thing, a faith that is tested is a faith that is focused on a future joy to come. As we looked way back in the beginning, all the way back in January, we looked at the definition that Hebrews chapter 11 gives of faith, faith and things hoped for. We see that faith is always forward-looking. It's not just looking back on what God has done in the past. That is helpful. That does give us encouragement, but it gives us encouragement for the future. 
that faith is always looking forward. It's always anticipating that God is going to fulfill his promises. That's what we see in Hebrews 12, verse 2. Look with me. The author of Hebrews invites us to look to Jesus. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The only way that we can have endurance for the race is we focus our eyes on Jesus and on the cross. Author of Hebrews now for the second time calls Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith. It's the Greek word archegos. The word here has many different meanings. Meanings like a champion or a captain or a pioneer or a forerunner. But my favorite translation for this word is the word trailblazer. That Jesus is our trailblazer. He has gone before us. He has blazed a trail. He has made a path. And so we're on this race. We are not on our own. But we are running after Jesus who has gone before us. He has blazed a trail. And the trail ends in joy. Jesus, our trailblazer, has carved a path for you and me. A path to the fullness of joy. Now, I think we have a great misconception about what joy really is. It's one of the great dangers, I believe, of the prosperity gospel. It's a lie that says that if you believe, if you have faith in God, then God will bless you. And he'll give you health, wealth, and happiness. But that is nowhere in the Bible. And especially, it's nowhere in Hebrews. As we look at Hebrews 12, chapter 2, we see what the path of joy really looks like. Jesus has already walked that path. It's not a path through health, wealth, and happiness. But the path to joy we see is through the cross. It's through suffering. Again, the author of Hebrews says we are to look to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter, the trailblazer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus knew the joy that is to come. The joy that was on the other side of the cross, the joy of his resurrection, and the joy of victory over sin and death. And so for the joy that was on the other side, the joy at the end, Jesus blazed a trail through suffering. He blazed a trail through trial. He blazed a trail through the cross. And so, brothers, as we look back on the hall of faith, as we ask ourselves, what does it look like for us now? in an increasingly unbelieving world, to have genuine tested faith. We must not avoid suffering. We must not avoid trial. We must recognize that God is in the midst of it. In the same way that he was in the midst of the fire, the Shadrach. Uh, I got hung up a little bit. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There it is. As these three men were in the fire... And Daniel, and he was in the midst of, in the midst of the fire, God is in the midst of our fire now. He is in the midst of all that we're going through, and he is drawn near, and he has blazed a trail through Jesus, the one who looks like the Son of Man. He stepped into the flames, he stepped willingly into the cross, and he died for you. He died for your sins, these sins that entangle you. He died for your burdens. He held them on his back. He placed your burden on his shoulders and your sin on his own soul. And he died on the cross for you. 
On the third day, he rose again so that the joy that was set before him, he endured the shame so that he is now seated at the right hand of God. Brothers, do you find yourself burdened? Do you find your faith tested? Know that God is with you, that he will never leave you, he'll never forsake you. In the same way that he has been faithful to all those who have gone before us in Hebrews chapter 11, he is faithful to you now. We know he was faithful because he sent his own son. And we know that he is faithful to fulfill the promise yet unfulfilled that one day Jesus Christ will come again and he will, wake, uh, he will wipe away every tear and he will make all things new. Until that day comes, it is my prayer and hope for you that he would draw near to you during this time, that he would give you a strong and tested genuine faith, a faith that comes through the person and work of the Holy Spirit and through his work in you, that he would now put your faith to work and give you hope for a great joy that is to come, the hope that we have in heaven. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we're grateful now that um, you work through your word, that more than a Bible study like this, we're thankful that your Holy Spirit works in and through it, even despite ourselves, even through a technology medium like this, that you can draw near to us, that you can be personal to us, and that you can use your word to not only remind us, but to change us from the inside out. So Lord, stir in us this morning. Give us the great gift of faith and increase our faith and help us by faith to see your faithfulness that you are a promise-keeping God who sent his only son for us to die and to rise again so that we could have the fullness of joy. We pray that you would show us a glimpse of this and fix our eyes on Jesus, your son, who is the trailblazer of our faith. We ask in his name. Amen. Brothers, it's been so good to be with you. Again, I want to invite you, when August rolls around, to Sign up again for our fall study. Invite your friends, invite your neighbors, co-workers. Lord willing, we'll be with us uh, together again in person uh, mid-September as we gather again at Park City's Presbyterian Church for the Tuesday morning men's Bible study at 7 a.m. Hope to see you then.